Welcome to Future Impact Academy, a creative education initiative bringing multidimensional worldviews and perspectives to help evoke enlightenment and empathy in each individual and form a more compassionate future world. Future Impact Academy, wider perspectives, richer souls. Dear friends, can you all hear me well? Very well. Uh, thank you so much. I, I have seen uh, so many faces of friends, not only in Vietnam, but also in, in, uh, in other countries um, where uh, EuAsia uh, have the network. And thank you so much for uh, for joining us today in the webinar with the title Compassion is the Verb. Uh, we look so forward uh, to, uh, to also hear from you uh, when we come into the later session. So before we begin our webinar today, um, I would like to start with a few minutes of settling in uh, with a few guided meditations. So, um, if we're on uh, settle in where we are right now, um, I would invite a bell, and then I would also invite you on to join me uh, in a few minutes of uh, being present for our friends on over the world. So let us bring our attention back to our own breathing. Let our breathing be as natural. As we breathe in, become aware of our whole body from the top of our head to where our feet 
touched the ground. As we breathe out, let go of all the tension, on the thoughts and the feelings. that take you away from this present moment. Let us invite a sense of togetherness, of connectedness, and of being present for one another wherever we are today. So let's take our breath out and invite a gentle smile on our face to welcome on the friends that are present here in Zoom and also via Facebook. May you all have a great time, feel connected and be together with the topic compassion is a verb today thank you so much for joining me uh, in a few minutes guided meditation uh, my name is Lu Nopti uh, for those of you uh, who have met me uh, for the first time today I actually um, uh, behind me is on the team of uh, which is a non-profit um, project that was created during the fourth wave pandemic in Vietnam to boost mental health condition for the community. So we are very proud that um, today is the 11th week of our project. And um, we have um, throughout this period um, brought uh, meditation, yoga, rhythm exercises, and a lot of events um, to the community. Um, so today is also one of the events that happened on a very special day, the International Kindness Day. Um, so it is wonderful that we have this opportunity uh, to sit together and to talk about the topic of compassion. How do we practice it in our own life? Uh, can we practice it in the workplace? And uh, is compassion innate or is it something that, um, that is exclusive from one person to another? or from one culture to another. So I believe that uh, the speakers that uh, we, are, uh, we are very honored to, uh, to invite to our event tonight, uh, we really share their personal story as well as uh, their own practices uh, for us to learn from, uh, from, uh, from the stories um, that I believe could be very, um, very vivid uh, for us all especially in, uh, in, in, in the time of the, the pandemic, the, the pandemic uh, in our world. Um, so I'd like to start our, our, our event with a very short um, poem, just for us to know where you are in the world and whether you know the, uh, the speakers of tonight's event. 
So I have just launched a poem for you to do. Um, before today's, do you know Dr. Park, uh, Cindy, or me? And uh, to check in with the language, um, whether it is comfortable for you to uh, to listen and understand uh, English for the whole uh, webinar. So we have um, more than 70% of the people um, present here already answered the question. We'll wait just for 10 more seconds and I will close. Mm. So um, Taita and Cindy can also look at the, the results. We have, um, so more like 60% of the people he actually know uh, on the three of us. And then for the rest, maybe it will be the first time. Um, for the people who only speak Vietnamese, um, I'm really sorry that our event will, um, will be in English for the whole time. Uh, at the end of the event, we will have a review in Vietnamese uh, on Facebook so that you can, uh, you can understand the main ideas of what he shared today. Um, so again, sorry for that. And uh, for the topic of compassion, um, I also prepared a mentee question to ask you on. So again, uh, if you haven't um, clicked on the link, here's the link in the chat box that you might click in and just leave um, one or three words or whatever come up to in your mind when you think about the word compassion. And then I would invite uh, our, our technical team to help me share the screen of the result. I saw the wrong link um, in the chat, so I'm going to send a new link. Ah, sorry. <laughs> so there is a link again. Uh, the word compassion is translate, translated in Vietnamese as lòng trắc ẩn. So whenever we think of that, um, the word itself, what will come, what comes up in your mind is the question. Dũng uh, is that a, the mentee link? Oh, the link, okay. The link Dumai, is still active. The link is still active. Uh, yeah, can you share that with Dũng? In the meantime, just read in and read out. There is a mentee check-in link that Hatchet sent. So the words that come out in the list are joy, um, empathy, warm, kindness, courage, sympathy, love, happiness, kind, empathy, love, patience, deep, understand, perspective, connection, warm-heartedness, love, understanding, loving, kindness, understand, empath, thought, uh, loving, kindness, understand love togetherness feel the feelings of others nature empathy understand to be connected to others to be kind love to self sympathize to someone willing to do something to help understand other perspectives no judgment take action have sympathy for others warm in the heart empathy sympathy listen without judging being able to feel other person situation empathy mm. It seems like we had a lot of words that um, already uh, re are repeated many times, like empathy, sympathy, love, understanding, uh, listening, uh, without judgment, loss of understanding, kindness, loving kindness, uh, care, action, nurture, heart base. Mm. So it seems like we uh, we do have a. Um, a good understanding about the word compassion itself. So now is the time where um, 
I would like to introduce um, uh, a very respectable teachers and also uh, a friends of so many people in our Zoom tonight. Um, Dr. Ha Vin Tha, uh, I met Dr. Ha Vin Tha uh, 2016 um, when I had a chance to listen to his talk in Vietnam about cross-national happiness uh, from Bhutan. And um, I think as a person who um, who was very confused at that point of time uh, what is the the what is the picture of my my uh, of my life direction whether it's happiness or success that I'm pursuing uh, for my life um, I think I was I was very much enlightened uh, mean having a very a clear a clarity uh, of what I should do next when I took the path of learning and experiencing um, cross-national happy, happiness in Bhutan as a model and as a way of living. And I think through my personal experience with Dr. Tha, uh, I also get to learn um, about the peaceful bamboo family in Hue, uh, which is um, a beautiful community that was established 20 years ago um, for the children uh, with uh, intellectual disability. And um, I remember when hearing about the stories of how the center uh, was established in the first place, it was established after Teta returned to Vietnam uh, and at a very young age, actually. It was many years ago. And um, throughout the years, he crossed passes in Europe and Vietnam and other countries to really share his, uh, his wisdom and also um, his way of living and being. Uh, to many individuals and organizations. And I think tonight, um, this is a wonderful chance for all of us here to hear his, um, his, um, his teaching and also personal sharing on the topic of uh, compassion is the verb. So uh, may we cheer to welcome Dr. Tha uh, to share uh, first. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Yes, thank you very much. So hello everyone. Um, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to uh, be together with uh, many friends, both in Vietnam and in other countries. And uh, I would like to thank um, the organizer of this, uh, of this meeting. Uh, I think it's wonderful that we have the chance to do that on the day of uh, International Day of Kindness or Kindness Day. Uh, and it's a good opportunity to remind us of the importance of, uh, of kindness uh, in our lives and in the life of society. I'm also very happy that I will be sharing uh, the, the space and the time with my dear friend Cindy. Uh, and you will hear more for her, from her later. But I think uh, for me, it's very inspiring both to see that uh, younger people are getting so engaged on the path and also people who are really active in society, in her case, as a business leader. So it gives me great hopes and, and um, a lot of uh, confidence for the future. And for me, confidence for the future is very important because I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, and I'm even a great-grandfather. <laughs> so uh, the future of society, the future of the planet means a lot to me and hopefully to all of you. So I will uh, give me a minute to share my screen and, uh, and share a, a presentation with you um, that I will then also comment. So I... Um, I'm also very grateful that I have a very uh, 
good friends in, in Vietnam who are very good at technical things. I'm very impressed with them. <laughs> As an older person for me, it's not always that easy to uh, deal with, uh, with the technique of it. Okay, so compassion is a verb is today's um, topic. And uh, I think it's important for us first to understand the foundation of uh, compassion. I would look, like to look at it really from a, a, a scientific perspective, first of all. Uh, so the foundation of, um, of compassion is uh, empathy. And empathy is actually an inborn capability that every human being has ever since they are born. And it is based on uh, really a biological uh, structure that we have in our own brain, which are called the mirror neurons. And because of these mirror neurons, already a newborn baby has the capacity to perceive and to experience the feelings of the people around him or her, especially the mother, but also other caring adults. And as I said, um, I, we have become great-grandparents a, uh, a few weeks ago. And it's really uh, funny because although, um, uh, you know, I have very little merit in the fact that I have become a great-grandfather, uh, it's something I'm more proud of than <laughs> many things that I've actually achieved in my life. So it's this feeling, you know, oh, we are four generations in the same family at one time in, in time, one point in time, and that's such a wonderful feeling. And, you know, seeing my newborn great-granddaughter, it's not her on the picture. <laughs> um, when I first met her, it was such a deep experience. And then she was only a few days old, and she started interacting with her mother, with her father, and once again, you know, I could really vividly see empathy at work. So that in a newborn baby, um, actually what the, the father, the mother experiences is reflected in the baby. And when I, I, I saw her looking at her dad, at her mom, I could really see how the love that they have for her really is nourishing her is uh, really going very deep into her own uh, being, uh, not only the brain, I mean, the whole, whole body. And it's very important for us to be aware of that because it means that as adults, when we are together with newborn babies, we should really be aware of the fact that what we think, what we feel, the way we behave has a very deep impact uh, on the baby and on their development. So empathy is a, a, a natural, a given um, uh, capability in human beings, and it plays a crucial role for our survival as a species because unlike many animal species where uh, the young ones after just a few weeks or a few months are, are pretty much independent, as we know, it takes years, many years for young human beings to become independent. And for years, they are completely dependent on the love, care, and compassion of their parents and the adults around them. And so this capability, natural capability of empathy is really the foundation of the survival 
of human humankind and it's uh, such an important uh, quality that actually i believe it should be uh, valued and trained from very young age on now when we speak of um, of empathy actually there are three different dimensions of empathy the first one that as i uh, explained really uh, arises naturally after just a few days or a few weeks is emotional empathy meaning our ability to feel other people's feelings uh, and as i described uh, young children are already able to do that after just a few weeks of life then there's a second dimension of empathy that uh, arises or develops later in life and that's what we could call cognitive empathy meaning not only our ability to feel what other people feel but also our ability to think what other people think to understand other people's perspective especially when it's very different from our own and there is no dialogue there's no harmony in the family there's no harmony in the society without us developing this ability to think other people's thoughts to understand other people's perspective even if it's very different from our own or especially when it's very different from our own and then thirdly there's active empathy it means our ability to really act in a way to help support and uh, and uh, uh, be of service of other people and actually compassion needs all three dimensions so emotional empathy alone is not yet compassion nor is cognitive empathy nor is active empathy and i will share with you uh, why it is necessary to have all three dimensions so that actual compassion can, ari can arise and so we could say that empathy is a natural um, quality of human beings compassion has to be cultivated has to be developed okay let's go back to emotional empathy so emotional empathy is what allows us to interact with other human beings if i was completely blind to other people's feeling and experiences it would be very difficult to interact with others so emotional empathy is the very foundation of human interactions and social life would actually not be possible without this capacity to perceive other people's emotion therefore harmony in the family in the society in the workplace really depends on our ability to develop our emotional empathy as i said before it is inborn but it can be trained and further developed and we believe that uh, it should be a central part of all educational systems from kindergarten all the way to university to really consciously develop emotional empathy and also cognitive empathy but empathy all together um, because without it uh, we cannot have um, harmonious society harmonious families harmonious workplaces but then emotional empathy is very important but it also has a downside it, it has a problem and the problem is that when we perceive someone else's suffering it activates in our own brain the areas of the brain that are activated when we suffer ourselves it means then 
when we are exposed too much to suffering of others and we only have emotional empathy, it can become emotional contagion and it can create emotional distress. And we know that um, in many um, uh, uh, working situations where people are confronted with a lot of suffering, like uh, doctors, nurses, humanitarian workers, it can be a big problem. In my own experience, uh, I was working with the international community of the Red Cross for many years. And uh, my job was to train young people who would go then to war zones um, to help um, uh, civilian population, uh, refugees, wounded people and so on. And the whole challenge was how do we help these people have enough empathy to really feel with the people that are suffering, but not be overwhelmed by the suffering so that it doesn't create emotional distress and then burnout. So I will show you just a, a short video to show you what uh, emotional contagion looks like. Okay. Coco Doco. Okay, so we, we could continue, but you see, this is uh, emotional contagion. So one child cries and the other child doesn't really have a reason to cry, but because it, he or she perceived the other child crying, then it activates in his or her own brain the parts that create suffering and therefore it starts crying again also. So you see, on one hand, it's very, very useful because this allows us to feel other people's feeling. On the other hand, if we don't know how to control it in the right way, it can be overwhelming. And you saw, you know, uh, I had one example with uh, Asian children, uh, European children, I could have example with African children. It's not cultural, it's universally human. So that's emotional empathy. And then there's cognitive empathy. Uh, it was a bit too early. Uh, cognitive empathy is our ability to perceive other persons, other people's perspective. So as a small child, we think or we believe that everybody experiences what I experience myself. Therefore, we see the world from a very self-centered perspective. And cognitive empathy is our ability to gradually understand what other people's perspective point of view is. And it is very important. And we can see that when we, I will show you example of how children played hide and seek and one child, if the child doesn't see, he or she thinks the other one cannot see him or her either. Because they don't put themselves, they are not able to put themselves in the perspective of the other. So when we see that with children, we think it's very sweet and, you know, gradually it will disappear and then uh, children will grow up and know that, oh, although I close my eyes, the other one person, other person can still, steam, still see me. But when you look at uh, debates in society, in the workplace, you notice oftentimes that cognitive empathy is not that well developed. And that very often we think if the other person 
has a different opinion than me, he or she must be stupid or is wrong because we only acknowledge our own perspective. So developing cognitive empathy, being able to understand other people's perspective is a very, very important dimension also for harmonious social interaction and for a healthy social life. So we'll, I'll just show you a few examples uh, in young children. No, no, So they are playing higher than One, two, Okay, you get the idea, right? When a child, small child doesn't see the other person, he or, she, he or she thinks the other person cannot then see them either. So that's a very sort of basic level. But please observe social interaction among adults. And you will see that oftentimes we uh, behave in a very similar way that oh, if somebody doesn't think like me, they must be wrong. Only the way I my perspective is the only right perspective. Now, let me explain to you the difference between empathy and compassion, uh, because it's a relatively recent scientific research that has helped us understand the actual difference between empathy and compassion. So empathy is the foundation of compassion, but compassion is more than just empathy, because compassion requires not only emotional empathy, but also cognitive empathy. So compassion requires a certain wisdom, a certain understanding, understanding the other perspe uh, person's perspective. And also it includes active empathy, it means our will to help. And this is why I thought today's theme, compassion is a verb, is a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful theme, a wonderful uh, way to, to, to express it. it was actually coined by Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who said empathy is a verb, meaning empathy, uh, compassion is a verb, meaning compassion is not just a feeling. Compassion is really something that we do for others. It's active. So what the sci scientific finding uh, showed us was that uh, it was in Germany. It was um, um, a, a, a good friend of mine, actually, Tanya Singer, who also came to Bhutan. Uh, she's the head of a, of a lab in Germany, a very prestigious scientific lab, and they did a research to understand the way um, empathy and compassion works. And so what they did, what they, they were putting people into a, a scanner, brain scan, and then while the people were in the scanner, they were exposed to pictures of suffering, sounds, pictures of suffering. And, uh, and then what they observed when they observed the brain of the person in the scanner is that those parts of the brain that are activated when we suffer ourselves, either physically or emotionally, uh, we are activated when we are exposed to other people's suffering through pictures or sounds and sounds. So that was for everybody it worked. And then 
uh, they put this man that you see on the on the uh, on, on the picture, which is Mathieu Ricard, which is a, a, a French uh, Buddhist monk in the Tibetan tradition, uh, close to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And Mathieu Ricard was put in the scanner, and when he was put in the scanner and was exposed to the uh, to the pictures of uh, and the sounds of suffering, at first he reacted like everyone else, meaning that the centers of suffering were activated in the brain. But after a short time, it changed, and they observed that centers that are normally uh, related with reward, with pleasure, were activated in his brain. And so when he came out of the scanner, Tanya asked him, Mathieu, what's wrong with you? Are you sadistic or are you a psychopath? You, are, you feel happy when you see other people suffering? And he was thinking for a while, and then he realized, no, but you know, as a trained Buddhist monk, as soon as I see suffering, I, I perceive suffering, I generate uh, uh, thoughts of loving kindness. I generate the will to help the people. I generate the antidote, which is uh, kindness, compassion, love. And then when you do that, then this uh, feelings or, or this inactivity of generating loving kindness and compassion actually transform the suffering into something positive. So it is very important for us if we are working in the field of social work or education or medical field that we know how to do that, that we don't get overwhelmed by the suffering that we encounter, but that we actually are able to generate this strong will of helping because that counteracts the, uh, the, the danger of emotional contagion and our own burnout. But in order to be compassionate, we need wisdom. We need understanding. And in order to develop wisdom, understanding, we need mindfulness. Because we need to be aware of what we are feeling and what other people are feeling. So mindfulness means maintaining a moment by moment awareness of our thoughts, feeling, bodily sensation and surrounding environment through a gentle nurturing lens so it's our ability to be aware of ourselves our thoughts our emotion our bodily sensation and at the same time be aware of our environment of others and then i i put out a quote from from um, zen master thich Han that says through the practice of mindful living, we learn new habits. Walking, we know that we're walking. Standing, we know that we are standing. Sitting, we know that we are sitting. Practicing this way, we slowly undo our old habits and develop a new habit of dwelling deeply and happily in the present moment. With mindfulness in us, we can smile, a smile that proves our transformation. So for me, it's very important to um, really be aware that in order to develop compassion, we also need to develop mindfulness. And mindfulness is the foundation of wisdom, of true understanding. We know that, for instance, almost all the time, parents want the best for their children. 
but sometimes they want the best for their children, but they don't take the time to really understand their children. And although they want the best for their children, maybe the way they behave or their expectation toward their children creates suffering instead of creating um, happiness. Although their intention is good, but maybe they don't have enough understanding. So for true compassion to arise, it needs understanding. And don't think that you have to be old or uh, very wise or it takes many years to develop that. It, it can happen at a very young age. I've often told this story, but let me uh, tell it again because some of you might have not heard it. When my uh, mother passed away, I was in Vietnam at that time. I was in the peaceful Babu family that um, Dean has mentioned. And of course, I was very sad because my mom had passed away and also felt somewhat guilty because I was not with her when she passed away. I was in Vietnam, she was in France. So I was double sad, if you want. And then in, in the Peaceful Bamboo family, every week we have a, a, a special event called Sharing from the Heart. And during this event, um, we are all sitting in silence in a circle. Uh, it's very beautifully de um, decorated and we have a moment of mindfulness. And then each one, each member of the community, young, old, uh, with or without disability, can share what moves them at the time, at that moment. And I, in the, at that, on, on that evening, I shared that, um, you know, I was sad because my mother had passed away. And after I shared that, there was a silence because people were moved. And then it was a young man who was a young man, so-called disabled with Down syndrome, who spoke up first one. And he said, oh, Ty, I really understand the way you feel because I've also uh, lost my own mom. And then he turned to the others and said, and, and if you are lucky enough that your mom is still alive, uh, don't miss the opportunity to tell her that you love her. You see, so the, he was 15, 16, he was a teenager and he was so-called disabled. But there was such a deep compassion and not only in his heart, but also he was able to express it in such a way that I really felt a lot of uh, support uh, from what he said. And it really helped me a lot. And then later I came uh, to France and I was there for my mother's uh, cremation. And because I was, I'm the uh, oldest son, I was the one who was uh, um, um, you know, giving the eulogy. And so telling her life story and, you know, sharing some, some memories with the family. And then I went back to sit and then one of my grandsons was sitting next to me and he was at that time five or six years old, not, not older than that. And uh, when I came back, he took my hand and he said, are you okay, grandpa? Are you not too sad? That was a five or six years year old little boy. But, you know, he had felt my sadness and then he did something, you know, he took my hand and then shared his concern and his kindness. And it was such a, it, it was so um, profound. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, actually I was sad because, you know, I, for most of us, the mother is the symbol of love, right? Because she was the one nurturing us when we were babies and so on, taking care of us. And then when your mom dies, you're very sad because you are feeling you, you lose love, the, the, the very source of love. And then here was my five-year-old grandson. And I had the feeling her love was going through him. So I had not lost anything because her love was still there. But, you know, manifesting through someone else, in this case, my grandson. 
So that's the power of compassion. You know, that I, I, at that moment I felt a relief and I felt peaceful and I could really accept the situation. So I hope we understand that compassion is action. So active empathy is our willingness to actually help those who are in need. And for active empathy to be effective, we have to understand their feeling. So it's effective empathy. We need to understand their true needs. That's wisdom understanding. And we are willing to take action. It's not just a feeling. We do something about it. And when the three come together, this is what we can call real compassion. And His Holiness the Dalai Lama often says, if you want to be happy, if you want others, sorry, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. Because it's the wonderful thing of compassion. It brings happiness both to the one who receives it and the one who offers it. So to end, I would like to give you a few hints how to cultivate compassion. First of all, try to reflect regularly on, uh, regularly on situation when you have received and or given compassion. And try to remember how does it feel you know, so that you realize that really compassion is a source of happiness for yourself and for others. So it will encourage you to generate more compassion. Secondly, you can create a compassion journal and write down regularly inspiring compassion stories that you have witnessed, that you have done, that you have read somewhere, that somebody has told you, so that you sort of uh, water the seeds of compassion in your own mind. And the more you water the seed, the more the flower of compassion will grow. Thirdly, read books, articles that water these seeds of compassion. Because if we read the news and we look at TV, most of the time we hear bad news. And they, uh, they water the seeds of fear, of anger, of despair. And that's not very healthy. You need to uh, expose yourself to films, magazines, books that really water the seed of compassion in you. And then lastly, no, not lastly, then you can practice loving kindness meditation regularly. We will have a short one after the end of my talk. And lastly, do small acts of kindness for loved ones, but also for strangers. Don't think first I have to become rich and powerful, then I can do something for others. I told you a story where a young um, man, so-called disabled, was able to do an, a real act of compassion, where a five-year-old little boy was able to do an act of compassion, act of kindness. So don't think that you need to be powerful, have a great position, be very rich before you can start with compassion. Uh, you can start with compassion even today, because there will always be someone around you who can need your support, your help, your care, your kindness. And today is the perfect day to start because it's uh, the day of uh, kindness. And for our Vietnamese friends, uh, you might, uh, if you have not read my book yet, I'm very grateful that uh, some wonderful friends have translated it into Vietnamese. You can read it and there are uh, many stories of compassions in it, not only at a personal level, but also at uh, uh, educational level, schools, uh, business level, and we will hear afterwards from uh, Cindy, who will share one of the wonderful examples of compassion in business and uh, also uh, at national level with the idea of cross-national happiness. 
So this is what I wanted to share today with you. Um, and uh, I will end this presentation with that. Um, thank you so much, Tai. Before we move on to the guided meditation, um, I noticed that there are um, there are two questions that might be addressed uh, right now. Uh, a person asks how to shift or what shift a person from emotional to active empathy. So and say, then um, say it again. there's also I, I, sorry, say again. I didn't hear what. One. Uh, what shift a person from being emotional to active? Okay. And what is the second question? The second question is uh, in the chat box. Um, again, I think it's an elaboration of the same uh, person who asked the question. He asked, do you think when the emotional part has been accumulated much enough to a certain level, then it can transform itself? He said that he talked to a social entrepreneur and uh, the, the entrepreneur shared that in the beginning, the reason or the motivation why he started his nonprofit organization was not compassion, but anger, but out of anger. He felt angry that nothing changed, so he came to make the change. So can you either comment or, or also share on, on this point? Sure. So um, as I tried to explain, in order to generate real compassion, you need to have a balance between the three dimensions of emotional empathy. So uh, if you don't allow yourself to be touched by uh, the suffering of the world, obviously you will not become compassionate. So you have, um, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, open your heart for the suffering of the world, open your heart for the people around you. But if you only open your heart, without um, uh, balancing it with the two other components, you might get overwhelmed. This is why many people choose, for instance, um, jobs in the social field or in the field of health or in the field of education. But after a few years, they, st they stop because they're overwhelmed. So opening the heart is the, is the precondition, but it's not enough. The second thing that you need is understanding, wisdom. This is why practicing mindfulness is so important. Also, through the practice of mindfulness, you will find the right balance between um, taking care of others and taking care of yourself because you're aware, you know, how much uh, you are aware of your bodily feelings, of your own emotions and so on. And we will do a short uh, mindfulness, um, no, loving kindness meditation afterwards. And you see, we'll see, we always start with ourselves, which is not egoistic. It's not to be self-centered but it's to be balanced between um, ourselves and the needs of the world, because actually the two are two separate things. And the third one is then we need to go into action. So just being emotional about things or just having thoughts, what should be different or is not enough. We have to do something. We have to generate the energy to become active. And especially as young people, young people should really uh, engage to transform the world, to make it a better place. So if you balance these three dimensions, then your compassion can be effective. And sometimes anger is a necessary starting point or despair. Like, you know, many young people despair about ecological situation of the world and there's something good about it. But you cannot stay with the despair. Otherwise, you will become weak. You have to transform the despair or transform the anger. Keep this energy, but that transform it into something positive. 
Okay, I'll stop here. Otherwise, uh, I really want to leave enough time for Cindy to share, but um, I was asked to uh, lead a, a short um, loving kindness meditation, so I will do that now. I will invite the bell. So please find a comfortable position. So mindfulness requires three fundamental attitudes. The first one is we should be well grounded. So feel the point of contact with your cushion, your chair, whatever the floor, well grounded. Secondly, you have to be relaxed. So it's let go of tensions. You're upright, but you're relaxed. We're well grounded and we are relaxed. And thirdly, we are clear, we are present, we are aware. It's not drowsiness, it's not a daydream. We are very present, very aware, very conscious. So try to balance grounded, relaxed, aware. Let's follow our breathing naturally. Breathing in, we know we're breathing in. Breathing out, we know we're breathing out. Let's bring attention in our heart. We're breathing and we feel our heart. And let us acknowledge that we all have a longing to be happy, to be free of suffering. And that this longing is, is very legitimate. It is our birthright to be happy and free of suffering. May I always be happy and peaceful in body and mind. May I always be peaceful and happy in body and mind. Always be peaceful and happy in body and mind. May I be safe, healthy, and free of suffering. May I be safe, healthy, and free of suffering. May I be safe, 
healthy and free of suffering. And now let us contemplate the fact that just like me, all people and all sentient beings long to be happy and peaceful. All people and all sentient beings hope to be free of suffering. And their longing for happiness safety is as valid, as important as my own. It's not different. So the well-being of others and my own well-being are one and the same. My happiness and your happiness is one and the same. So let us visualize someone that we care for, someone that we love. Let's imagine this person is uh, in front of us. We see him or her vividly and we wish them from the bottom of our heart. May you be peaceful and happy in body and mind. May you be peaceful and happy in body and mind. May you be safe and healthy and free of suffering. May you be safe and healthy and free of suffering. And gradually, as we practice regularly this kind of um, meditation, we can widen the scope of our loving kindness and compassion to encompass also people that are not so close to us or even people with whom we have difficulties. And finally, all sentient beings, because all people and all sentient beings want to be happy and free of suffering. joining thank you so much Taylor, for the beautiful and guided meditation um, so can uh, can we um, we will move on to the next session right now and uh, if some of you is still feeling the uh, um, 
the calmness in your body, I would invite you to maybe slightly stretch your body, shake it a little bit, so that we can welcome our next guest speaker.